Yes, I'm Andrew. I'm also going to call one of my fellow elders. George, would you mind just coming to share what you felt God was saying? Please don't raise your hands. Sorry, guys. Andrew says my shirt's a bit short. I don't want to <laughs> cause anyone to stumble. <coughs> but um, in, the, <laughs> in the prayer meeting, I was just saying to Andrew, I just felt like a warning or a caution in my spirit. I felt like um, Andrew's going to be preaching on discipline. Just check. Yep. Yeah, yeah, just checking, yeah. Discipline and resilience. And I felt like there's two types of categories of people here this morning. The one is um, a bit like the, the prodigal son, the younger Christian, right? And what can happen is you can hear these words and be crushed or condemned. You just be like, you know, just, oh, it's impossible. And I just want to say the Holy Spirit, He doesn't condemn, He convicts. Okay, so if you're feeling an overwhelming sense of heaviness, that, that's God doesn't do that. God, God convicts. He doesn't condemn. And then there's the other category, which is the older Christians. And you can hear this stuff and go, but I'm doing so much already. This is so hard. It's just more stuff to do. And that's like the older brother who said to his father, but I'm doing so much. And the, older, the father said, and? But don't you know everything is yours already? Don't you know? And in that story of the prodigal son, there's one consistent, and that's the father. Okay? That father was consistent in his love for the younger, and he was consistent in the love for the older. And I just want to encourage us this morning. Andrew's going to be preaching and sharing exactly what the Holy Spirit, on, Holy Spirit has put on his heart. But we also have a responsibility, and that is to ask the Holy Spirit to convict our hearts and to find out from the Holy Spirit what we need to change. Don't hear just condemnation or more stuff to do. That's not what we hear about for. It's not about doing more. It's about in that joy, in the love of the Father, responding to what we feel like is being tugged on our heart. Does that make sense? Amen. Yeah, over to you, mate. Um, and on the back of that, we, we need to respond with faith, don't we? It, all that we do must be out of a place of faith. And uh, whether you feel you're an older son or a younger son, God's wanting to change some things in maybe in your heart, in your thinking, and you'll need faith for that. In fact, it says in Luke chapter 18, it says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? For me, that's one of the most challenging scriptures there is. Will, will he find me to be full of faith? That's what he's wanting from us. He wants us to be a people, oh dear, full of faith. Can we just close our eyes a sec? I just want to pray. We're going to be going through quite a bit of scripture, quite a few scriptures this morning. And as we do, just allow the Holy Spirit to be speaking to you. Um, it's, um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And there'll be, there'll be quite a bit of the Word of God in here this morning. So just allow your ears to be open, your hearts to be open, so that you can respond with faith. When Paul, Paul prayed for the Colossians as follows, And I ask you that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So I want, to, I want our hearts and our eyes, well our hearts particularly, but our ears and our eyes as well, to be full of all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's, our, that's my prayer. So, um, my, my 2024 mantra at the moment is, faith for more in 24. <laughs> Woo! 
I'm sure you've all got a, a 24 mantra as well, but more is quite good. Faith for more in 24. And we need, we need more faith, don't we? We want, we want more faith to become more like Jesus. I'm not quite sure about this fan. I'm a bit worried. Um, we need more faith to be more like Jesus. We need, we want more faith so that we see the Holy Spirit move amongst us more fully, don't we? And, and more, we're more responsive to the Spirit. We want the gifts to move us, to move amongst us more freely, don't we? We want more faith of the gifts of the Spirit. We want more faith to be more fruitful in the Spirit. We want to see more salvations amongst us. We want to see um, people, each other, come into the fullness of the purposes that Christ has for us. So we need faith for that. Faith for more in 24. Come on, folks. We want to see the church grow in numbers. We want to see the church grow in influence. In our city, in our country, in, yeah, in our lives. We all want more faith, don't we? Why not? Come on, people, why not? Why can't we have more faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Let's give ourselves to the Word of God. And I, I really do believe that God wants to transform each one of us more into his likeness this year. We were praying as elders a few weeks back, and I just as we were praying, we are talking about a few things, I just felt God drop four R's on my heart. And Luke may have given you this last week, but resilience, restraint, responsibility, and relationships. Luke, Luke preached about res, uh, relationships last week. I'm going to be speaking about um, resilience and restraint. And I'll go through what those look like and what those mean um, in a little while. Um, and I, they do both work together, becoming more resilient and becoming more restrained. But that actually is another word for self-control. Self, um, and to be able to walk in a great, greater measures of resilience and restraint, we need faith, don't we? We need faith. We can't do this on our own. It's not by power. It's not by might. We can tick all the boxes. We can try all as hard as we like. But actually, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So resilience. Let's have a look at resilience. The dictionary says, it's the capacity or ability to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties. The capacity or ability to withstand or recover quickly from dif difficulties. It's sort of that inner toughness which allows us to stand up again quick. Get knocked down, but I get up again. That's resilience. And God wants us to be like that. Because we face all sorts of things in this day and age, don't we? Spiritual, physical, cultural. We get hit. But God wants us to get up again. Romans 5 says this. Therefore, are we up? Nope. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In a way, it's quite a tough verse because it's about rejoicing in our sufferings, but it's only because through hope and the love of God. Let me give you a little bit of a tip. Um, Back to verse 1. If you see therefore at the beginning of a chapter or a sentence, you need to look at what went before it. It says, therefore, what was, what was therefore in Romans 4? Well, it was all about Abraham being justified by faith. That Abraham received the promises because he had faith. So when you read chapter 5 or those verses, have that in the back of your mind. That's what the therefore was there, there for. Therefore, let's look at um, this process in verses 4 and 5. Endurance produces character. And I believe that, that the main character trait that we gain by endurance is resilience. Endurance produces character. As we endure the tough times, as we endure hardship, as we endure tests of our faith, that will give us resilience. And resilience is a commodity that's probably quite eroded in this day and age, isn't it? And um, there are so many options available uh, there are so many, we just don't learn resilience easily nowadays. Um, and I think it's particularly probably tough for <clears throat> you, gen, you millennials and Gen Zs. Just saying, I think resilience is tough for you guys. You, it, it's, there are so much other mindsets, cultural pressures. You haven't necessarily learned it at home. And as a parent, maybe I haven't been strong enough on teaching resilience. Teaching people, teaching my kids to be harder. They are pretty resilient, actually. But um, as parents, probably responsible as well. So parents, I speak to you. Children, I speak to you. Resilience. And let's face it, life is tough, isn't it? Life is hard. It's hard. But God. But faith. But it's producing something in us by his spirit. Um, and let's just look at a few things that where it could be difficult or tough. Your, your job could be tough. It's hard to be faithful in your job when your boss is hard work, when your boss is not a good manager, when your boss is doing stuff behind people's backs or under the table. It's hard work to be resilient Christian, but God it's hard work to use our time and body and energy well, isn't it? It's easy to hit the restaurants. It's easy to lay on the beach. And we all do that. Me too. But God wants us to be resilient. He wants us to be tough. It's hard work to be wise with our finances. Money in, money out. It's easy, isn't it? But how does God want us to use our finances? How, how can we become more disciplined with them? Sometimes it's quite hard work to be part of 
this body, isn't it? The church community. Sometimes it is. We love, we love each other. We love this family. We love being with each other. But sometimes, oh, I just can't be bothered to do that. Or I really would just rather do something else this weekend. But that, is that what God's calling you to? Is that, is that, are you learning resilience that way? It's tough when children come along. Our friends there know all about that. They've got a baby of three months old. It's hard work. And your lifestyle has to change. Um, and with that, all of the above disciplines that I talked about, all the above things, are get even harder. Finances, time, energy, work. Because, anyway. So how do we become more resilient? Well, let's look at what we do to not be resilient. Generally, if you're not resilient, what are you going to do? Give up and run away. Yep. I think that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Because we all want to be comfortable. We all want our comforts. We want the easy way out. But actually, that's not what God's calling us to. So how do we become more resilient? It's quite simple. You need to die. You need to die to yourself. Not die physically. You need to die to your comforts. Die to what you want, your selfish nature. What you want to do. Because then you will build character. Then you will build your character. Endurance produces character. Endurance produces character. Let me give you an example of um, Kirsten Bosch Gardens. Most of you are aware of, have been to Kirsten Bosch Gardens. Yeah? You all know? Our wonderful um, botanical gardens in the southern suburbs. In, the, in Kirsten Bosch Gardens, every plant is, what's the word? Indigenous, except for some English oak trees. They planted the English oak trees way back in the, probably the 1700s as Cape Town started to grow and develop in order to produce wood for building and produce wood for the wine vats. Yes, they'd brought the wine over by then. But they, when, they, when the trees grew and they cut them down, they realized, actually, they weren't strong enough for building and they were too porous for the wine vats. Why is that? Because English oak trees are designed to be grown, grow during English winters. And what is winter? Winter in our lives are hard times. During English winters, those oak trees became resilient and strong and tough. But they couldn't do that in Kirstenbosch Gardens. They couldn't fulfill their purpose growing in Cape Town but they can when they're grown in England. So when you're thinking of resilience, think of those oak trees. Think of, God, will you, will you allow me to, when I go through the winters of this life, will you help me toughen up? Will you help me become more resilient? So we can toughen up by his grace, 
at work in us, his, his grace upon us, his power at work in us, and his Holy Spirit. His grace, his power, and his spirit. Those three things will help us toughen up. Romans 12 says this. Got it up? Yep. I appeal to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by, by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to change our thinking so that we are transformed, not conformed. So back to what George was saying. Whether you're an older son or a younger son, you need to change your thinking. And let's just have a... I just, I just want us to have a Selah moment here. Selah is a word that's often used in, this, in the Psalms. Um, and it indicates... It's the Hebrew word for a pause in the text. I just want us to have a a pause moment here, each one of us. How are you being conformed to this world? How are you being conformed to the culture around you, us, me? What areas in your life, what areas in my life do I need to become more resilient? Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Where do I, where do you, where do we need to transform our thinking and our habits to become more like Christ? What thinking, habits, whatever, need to die in us? Hebrews 12, 1-2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. There's that word, therefore, again. Therefore, since we are surrounded, Hebrews 11 is all about the men and women of faith and recounts many of their stories and how they were found faithful in their deeds. And that's because they had a, they had a revelation of Christ. They had a revelation of Jesus. They had a revelation of God so they could hold on to him. And I think for us, we need a revelation of Jesus so that we can hold firm to him in the hard times. I'm convinced we can all endure more. There's more in 24. I think we're going to need to endure more as well. 
We're looking for more faith, but we're going to look for some more endurance as well. Are we on? Cool. Okay, let's have a look at restraint. So we've looked at resilience, becoming more resilient, more tough, more strong so that we bounce back. Restraint. Again, in the dictionary, it says it's a measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control. In other words, restraint is, in our case, it's self-control. God can cause us to be, can restrain us if we don't, if we veer from his purposes, but actually he's calling us to restrain ourselves primarily. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. If you can just keep that up. In other words, and without deviating from that, people without the prophetic vision cast off self-control. But blessed is the man who lives a controlled life. People without vision cast off self-control, but blessed is the man who lives a controlled life according to the law of God. So let's just look at three aspects of restraint. What what does lack of restraint look like? What is the impact of lack of restraint on our lives? And how do we live self-controlled lives? So, what does restraint, what does lack of restraint look like? And as I go through this list, again, just allow God to highlight one or two things that he wants you, 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 me, to start working on today. Is it anger issues? Is it jealousy? Is it your tongue? Is it gossiping? Is it the use of your credit card? Is it what goes into your shopping basket that actually doesn't need to go in? Is it your eating habits? Or, in some cases, your eating out habits? Is it spending too much time gaming or... Watching Netflix series? Is it having one drink drink too many? Is it not getting to bed or getting up at reasonable times? Is it what you're reading? Is it your spiritual disciplines? Is it your financial disciplines? And there are so many more. What's God speaking to you about? And what may be the impact, the effect of not living self-controlled lives? Well, I think firstly and foremostly, it leaves us very vulnerable and exposed to sin. Let's just read um, Proverbs 25, verse 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into without walls. Self-control helps keeps our walls high. 
It helps keep our defenses in place. But a man without self-control is like a city broken down, left without walls. Let's just look at the example of Cain when he brought his offering to the Lord in Genesis 4. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Now, we don't really understand, perhaps, why God didn't accept Cain's offering. But that's not the point of this. The point of this is Cain did not have any self-control. He got angry, and that left him open to sin. And he murdered his brother. So if we don't have self-control... And again, back to what George brought earlier, you may think you've got self-control, but what is God asking you to do? How is, how is God wanting you to adapt or adjust? Because if we don't have the, the, the Holy Spirit leading us in self-control, bear in mind, remember that self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit living in fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We can only do it because of the Spirit. We can't do it out of our own power. This came up in our prayer meeting this morning. We cannot tick the boxes of self-control. It can only be by His Holy Spirit at work in us. Because we need, we need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's just rules. It's got to be life. Self-control brings life. Boundaries in our lives bring life, actually. We may think it contrary to cultural opinion. Boundaries, oh, let's just do what we want to do, because we can. That's what the age says. But actually, God wants us to live in boundaries. Because that's where we... That's where we feel secure. That's where we find the abundant life of Christ. Because if we drift outside of those boundaries, those walls may not be very high. Living without self-control impacts the effectiveness of our prayers. It causes us to sin, but it also can impact the effectiveness of our prayers. Let's just read... 1 Peter 4, verse 7. Did I give you that one? Yep. The end of all things at hand is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. It says in James as well that the 
prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Self-control helps us live lives where our prayer life can be effective. Number three, the how. How do we live self-controlled lives? Well, firstly, I believe the grace of God trains us. Titus 2 says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, this present age. Uh, And I, I don't believe this is the grace that we often refer to, which is the unmerited favor of Christ. I believe this is the grace of God, which is the power of God at work in us to be able to say no to ungodliness, to be able to help us overcome. It's the power of God at work in us, helping us to overcome One of my mantras is, is, and I've said one earlier, but another one is, God is always speaking. God is always speaking. He's always speaking to you if you choose to hear him. He's always speaking to me if I will tune in. But am I listening? And God wants to speak directly to each one of us. And he may use other people to do that. Let me give you an example. A few, I guess it's about 18 months ago, we, uh, we met as an eldership team away for a weekend. And Hans had the courage to challenge me with something. He challenged, pardon? Go Hansi, watch out for Hansi. He challenged me about my phone usage. About my phone, cell phone usage, using it too much. Felt I was just, he just saw and felt that I was on my phone too much. And I started to defend myself. Whoa. And realized actually he was right. It was true. And God was speaking to me. And um, so I put in place, um, and I, I live by this probably 98% of the time. I'm working on the other two. Um, that I'm, I don't go on my phone before 7 o'clock in the morning and after 9 o'clock at night. That's just my own self-discipline. It's probably quite good for me as well in terms of screen time and screen usage um, near bedtime. But actually, do you know what? I found I don't need to. I don't need to be on the phone all the time. I like it, but I don't need to be. And so I had to put a discipline in place. And um, do you have friends who will pull you up on things? Do you have friends that you will allow to speak tough things into your life to help you with your self-control maybe and how do you respond to that do you respond well do you allow God to speak to you the grace of God trains us it's his grace that trains us to be self-controlled by walking with the Holy Spirit How can we be more self-controlled? By walking with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 says this. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, 
and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led from, by the spirit, you are not unto the law. And the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, and I said it before, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, being full of faith is where I started earlier, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As I said, we can try as hard as we like, but actually it's only by his Holy Spirit. It's only the power of the Spirit as we walk with him that can help us. And how do we do this? Let's learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. Let's learn to tune. He's always speaking. God is always speaking. Let's learn to tune in. And in the quiet, because he sometimes he speaks loudly and he can speak quietly. We need to learn to hear him. We need to learn to respond and obey straight away. Something we taught our kids. If we ask you to do something, do it straight away. Because when you're crossing that road and I tell you to stop, you better stop straight away. And then we learn to respond to Jesus straight away too. Um, Recognize and watch out for your natural tendencies. What are your natural habits, things that you often fall, go to, that may be of the flesh? Learn to recognize those and adjust them. The Holy Spirit will help you here. He's the counselor. He will help you. He'll show you. Allow yourself to be counseled by the Holy Spirit. And finally, by having, so we looked at, we've, point one was uh, the grace of God trains us. Point two, by walking with the Holy Spirit. Point three, by having a firmly established heart. In the Gospels, we see that Jesus often taught that out of the heart comes all sorts of evil. That's, that's the natural tendency of our human heart. Hebrews 3 says this, gives us a warning. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Where is your heart? How have you positioned your heart? 1 Corinthians 7 says this, but whoever is firmly established or unwavering in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, he's dis- and determined in his heart, determined this in his heart, he will do well. So our hearts need to be soft, responsive, and open to Jesus. Jesus.